First John chapter five, first John chapter five. Let's look for some good advice tonight and that we can find in the pages of God's word. Last Sunday evening, we began a Sunday night series that we have titled No Doubt About It. And we used as our proof text, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, five. Here's what it says. It says, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. In other words, except ye be illegitimate or this is not true. It's not, it doesn't resound with that which is real. And again, in this passage of scripture, there is a place for self-examination. I think it's interesting how often people come to ask another, do you think I'm truly saved? And so as we were walking through this, we, we talked last week about what does it mean to be saved? And we really addressed the matter of deliverance. It means to be delivered. And when you're talking about salvation, we throw the term out, hey, have you ever been saved? Well, if we don't know what that means, we could misconstrue it to, to mean something that biblically speaking, it doesn't. So saved, saved from the reality of our own sin, saved from separation from God, saved from an eternal separation from God, which is hell, saved from the wrath to come and then placed underneath no, no longer the wrath of God, but the love of God. Saved from being forever disconnected to never being disconnected, always one with God, saved. So we address this idea of it means to be delivered. When I was in, in elementary school, kindergarten through fifth grade, I went to a school called Lincoln Elementary School. And at Lincoln, there was a fourth and fifth grade basketball team. And, and I like basketball. And, and so I, you know, I tried out for fourth and fifth grade basketball. And I made the fourth grade team and started playing and played again my fifth grade year. And, and then you, you go on. It's just, you know, kindergarten through fifth grade at Lincoln. So I played two years of basketball under Coach Allen at Lincoln Elementary. And I can remember one instance in particular, and I remember practices in that old gym at, at Lincoln Elementary and, and games and such, we'd play different folks, but, but I remember one game and it was a home game and my parents were there. Now there wasn't a lot of seating in that gym. In fact, there was a little, a little um, a platform area where you could do plays and things in, in the gym, curtains and such, the curtains were pulled, chairs were placed upon that stage and my parents, I can still see them in my mind's eye where my parents were seated. My dad was sitting almost directly behind Coach Allen. We played the first half of the game and I was a point guard for our fourth and fifth grade team. And at the half, of course, you switch sides. And so we switched sides and, and the jump ball came and the ball came to me and I took off. And I mean, I was all by myself and I could hear the crowd really cheering. I mean, they are, they are shouting my name and I'm dribbling down as a fifth grader. And I mean, I'm fast, you know, so, so nobody is covering me, but my own team is coming after me. The other team's not, my team is coming after me. And it seemed weird to me, but I'm like, I'm gonna go you know, shoot the ball. So I go and you're probably already two steps ahead of me. I'm shooting at the wrong basket, okay? 
And because at the half, you know, you switch and I was still on the, you know, the, the, in my mind, that was still our goal. And I shot and I actually missed the layup and our home crowd cheered, okay? <laughs> and I can remember I looked over and my coach's face was beat red and it wasn't an embarrassment, he was angry. I mean, he was not happy. And I can remember seeing my dad right behind him my dad had this look like, whose kid is that, you know? <laughs> well, I shot at the wrong basket. Now, I will say I came to know that I shot at the wrong basket, but I didn't know whose team I was on. That, that much I knew. I was playing for the Lincoln Lions. That was our team name. I, I think at times when it comes to knowing for certain you're, you're on your way to heaven, the problem is not so much that we're shooting at the wrong basket, so to speak. Sometimes as Christians, we actually are shooting at the wrong basket. In other words, we're, we're attempting something that is not consistent with the team that we're supposed to be playing for. But when it comes to assurance of salvation, we don't even know whose team we're playing on. If a person doesn't know that they're on their way to heaven, that the relationship between them and God has been resolved, that there is therefore now no condemnation. If a person hasn't come to that point, it's not that they're, well, sometimes I shoot at the wrong basket. I know sometimes we do, and that's regrettable. We should, we should strive to not allow that to happen. But, but if we don't even know whose team we're on, how frustrating is that? So as we start to consider this matter tonight, you know, last week again, what does it mean to be saved? Tonight, we're going to ask, how can I know that I'm saved? How can I know that I am saved? So let's walk through that this evening and, and see how far we get. But let's walk through this question. How can a person know that they are in fact delivered? that they are saved. First this evening, we know we are saved because of what the Bible says. Now I know this sounds simplistic, but please don't disconnect before we start to engage this topic. We, we know that we are saved because of what the Bible says. Have you ever noticed when talking about the, this topic of assurance of salvation, how often the word feel comes into the conversation? Have you ever noticed that? For example, when we're talking about this matter of, you know, I just don't know for sure if I'm on my way to heaven. We start to say things like, I just, sometimes I just don't feel saved. Okay, I get it that feelings are a part of who we are. God created us in ways that feelings obviously make up part of this unique, I don't know, combination of reflections of God. We're, we're made in triune ways in multiple ways. We are made a body, a soul, and a spirit. We are also made mind, will, and emotions. So I do understand that feelings are oftentimes intimately connected with who we are. But when we start to ask the question of, am I truly saved? Sometimes we put feelings in a place that they were never intended to reside. Um, you, you know, obviously there's a lot of college students here and, and there are a lot of college freshmen in this room tonight. 
I don't know if you remember this experience or not, but do you remember, I mean, this was just for some of you a few months ago, and I can still remember it as, as, as a, a high school student myself. So I, I suspect that a lot of people in here can relate. Do you remember what it was like when your name was read at your high school graduation? It is a day that you have been looking forward to. Do you remember when 2022 sounded like it was forever away? Like you were a part of the class of 2022. And for you to think about graduating in 2022, good night, that is so far away. But time came and it passed and 2022 arrived. And there you are at your high school graduation. And there is a commencement address, there are some nice awards that are given, and finally it is the time for the, 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 the placing of these diplomas, and now your name is called. And you walk across a platform, you shake a hand, you are given your diploma, and you stand, and finally he says, um, I now pronounce that you are, and your, your, your tassel is turned, and people begin to applaud, and you take your hat, and you throw your hat, and you walk out, and did you hear someone say, or did you say, wow, did that just happen? I don't feel like a high school graduate, but in fact you are. There are even times when a person stands and they hear the words, I now pronounce that you are man and wife. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. And now at one moment you weren't married and now you are married. And maybe you're driving off for your honeymoon and you look at each other and you say, wow, we're married. And it's hard to process something that at one moment you weren't and then at another moment you were and our feelings oftentimes take a while to catch up with the reality. You know, there are a couple reasons why oftentimes we start to doubt and our feelings start to, to come in and to the forefront of our thinking. I think sometimes we doubt because we doubt our capacity to understand as a child. We start to allow our feelings to come in because we say, man, that was so long ago. Could I really fully understand what it meant to, to trust Jesus Christ as a sinner and all that Christ did for me? Could I really as a child fully understand? Well, let me ask you this. As an adult, do you fully understand all that Christ accomplished for you? Is this something that through the ages to come, we will stand back and marvel with fresh amazement at all that Christ accomplished to allow you to pass from death to life. Let's put some weight on, on what Jesus said is weighty. In Luke chapter 18, verse number 16, the Bible says this, but Jesus called them unto him and said, suffer, allow, little children to come unto me and forbid them not for of such is the kingdom of God. You remember the event where, where Jesus is talking and teaching and preaching and little children are trying to go up and see Jesus, which by the way is wonderful to me because it means Jesus was approachable to children. I can picture the, the look on his face that made him inviting to children. But the disciples, their faces were a bit different. Like, hey, 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 he's a busy man. Go on now, you kids, go, go play. You know, I mean, the disciples are shooing off the children. And Jesus sees it. And who is it that he corrects? 
Uh, when, you, when you think about the disciples, when Jesus inserts himself, hey, he probably, the, the disciples probably think, yeah, good. Jesus, you tell those kids to take off. Hey, 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 you. And, he, and the disciples are like, yeah, yeah, hey, he's talking to you. He says, no, 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 you. Oh, yeah, you're welcome, Jesus. You're welcome. He said, no, 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 no. You allow the children to come to me. Don't you forbid them. For of such is the kingdom of God. Little children. How is it that we understand we're supposed to come to God? In Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse number two, and Jesus called a little child unto him. Can you picture it? I mean, he's teaching and and there's a child standing there tucked behind her mother's robe. And Jesus said, would you come here for a moment? And timidly, a little child sneaks from behind its mother and comes and Jesus takes the child and seats the child on his knee and he continues on. He set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Does the child have a capacity to love, yes or no? A young child. Well, the answer to that is, is absolutely yes. Its capacity for love may increase with time, but its ability to love is real. We, we have sometimes these, these little, little cups when we observe the Lord's Supper, a little communion cup. It has just a, a little bit of, of grape juice. And then you could have a larger cup and you could fill the same with the same kind of liquid. Its capacity is greater, but its contents are the same. What does a child have to understand? Can a child understand the reality of sin? And the answer is yes. Can the child with simple childlike faith believe that Jesus is in fact God and that he took punishment that didn't belong to him, but actually belonged to them? And can a child understand that if I come believing that Jesus is who he said he is and that he died in my place, but he didn't stay dead. He conquered sin and death and hell and Jesus rose again from the dead and he promises for all who will place their confidence, their faith, their belief in him that they can have the gift of God, which is eternal life. Do you know, sometimes the things that as you grow older become actually more clear in your mind are the things that took place in your childhood, not your adult years. Isn't it interesting to to speak to an adult and sometimes with a clarity that is somewhat shocking, an aged adult, they can recall things from their childhood that, that is with amazing clarity And yet sometimes things that happened last week become somewhat muddled and lost. The one we call the Prince of Preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said, I have shaken hands with gray-headed men who have forgotten nearly all the events which have intervened between their old age and the time of their childhood. But little matters which transpired at home Hymns learned at their mother's knee, words spoken by their father or sister have lingered with them. 
The voices of childhood echo throughout life. The first learned is generally the last forgotten. Do you know it may well be that some of those things that you first learned at your mother's knee, the things that were first taught to you in a child's Sunday school class are those things that you may well recall with a clarity that is startling as the years go by. Why is it that sometimes we doubt? I think at times we doubt because we, we doubt our capacity to understand as a child. And I think sometimes, you know, we're, we're just, we know we're saved because of what the Bible says, but then these doubts of our childhood come in, but also we seek confirmation in feelings rather than facts. We want our feelings to be the confirmation. Now, we'll talk about this later. We won't, we won't get to all of this tonight. There are some things that will address your feelings. But feelings are not supposed to be the first line of our reasoning when it comes to, am I truly saved? I was reminded today from our special guest in conversation at lunch, our guest, Mr. Tim Gegline, of a quote from President John Adams, who once said, facts are stubborn things. And whatever may be our wishes, our inclinations, or the dictates of our passion, they cannot alter the state of facts and evidence. Facts are stubborn things. What are the Bible facts that you and I have to rest upon when it comes to, am I truly saved? Am I really on my way to heaven? Have I truly genuinely passed from death to life? Am I saved? The great reformer Martin Luther wrote a simple poem with profound truth. He said, feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My warrant is the word of God, not else is worth believing. Though all my heart should feel condemned for want of some sweet token, there is one greater than my heart whose word cannot be broken. I'll trust in God's unchanging word till soul and body sever. For though all things shall pass away, his word shall stand forever. Why is it that we start to doubt and we start to wonder? Well, I think at times it's because we are seeking for confirmation in our feelings rather than in our facts. So what does the Bible say? Well, your Bibles are open to 1 John chapter 5. I'll put some, some things on the screen as well. But let's consider, what does the Bible say? I love this passage of scripture when it comes to, okay, what do I have to process regarding the facts, the realities of, the things that are real in God's word? 1 John 5, beginning in verse number 11. And this is the record. You know, the record. We're not talking about twisted facts. We're not talking about someone who's playing fast and loose with the details. We're talking about almighty God who presents in his word, the record. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. And then he goes on and he puts it in such straightforward terms. He says, he that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Now listen, he's not in any way, shape, or form confusing in the simplicity with which this is presented. 
He's like, okay, do you have the son? Yes or no? This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. So basically with such simplicity that even a child can understand. The question is not, am I saved? Am I going to heaven? Am I, am I truly born again? The real question is, do you have Jesus? Do you have Jesus? He that hath the Son hath life. You know, notice it doesn't say anything about how you feel. This is dealing only with facts. The Bible is going to address our feelings. We'll look at that again in another passage. But, but first we begin with what are the facts? It's interesting that this passage on salvation was written to believers so that they could know that they are saved. If you're, if you're tracking a little bit further in this passage, 1 John chapter 5, verse number 13, notice what he says here. These things have I written unto you. Now notice these next words, that believe. Okay, to whom is he writing? He is writing to what we commonly call even today believers. Believers. Okay, oh, that's a group of people that believe in Jesus Christ. They're trusting in him. Their confidence, confidence is in him. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. For what purpose? that ye may know that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Do you know what he's doing? He's writing to people who are saying, I do believe in Jesus, but oh man, am I truly on my way to heaven? And he's saying, hey, listen, I'm writing to you. Here's the record. This is, these are the facts established. If you have the Son, you have life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have life. I'm writing to you that believe that you can know that you have eternal life. Why is it that we oftentimes doubt? How can I know that I'm saved? Well, we know we're saved because of what the Bible says. We're, we're not going to have time tonight to, to continue to articulate, how can I know that I am on my way to heaven? We have several more that we need to walk through and I think we would do a disservice to them tonight. Let's pause with this as we conclude these thoughts this evening. Let's pause with, if you're going to rest on one of two things regarding your salvation, how you feel or what you know, begin with what you know. Feelings come and feelings go. Feelings are deceiving. May our warrant, the thing upon which we base our lives and our eternal destinies be the word of God, not else is worth believing.